We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we work and live and pay our respects to Indigenous elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello! (laughs) Hello! Hello, I'm Matilda. And I'm David. And this is our podcast. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Or we tell you each other things, except for this week, where I didn't do any research. Um, Well, and also you should say, I'm your dad. Yeah. And you're my daughter. Yeah. Presumably. I think so. Good. Hopefully. Excellent. Yeah, so this week is slightly different. We're only three in. We can't be ringing the changes already. Well, look, I have had a very, very busy week. I am a film student. Pause for applause. Thank you. I know. Next generation of filmmaking. Been there. And I am at uni, back at uni. So we had a big, long break for the COVID lockdown. Because, shockingly, doing a film course online is kind of impossible. So... A bunch of the courses that I was doing because I'm in third year, so I'm graduating in March because of COVID again. I am having to do and my course later on in the year and the course I'm doing is production design because I want to go into production design. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm going to let the cat in. One second. You're going to what? I'm going to let the cat in. Oh, right. <gasps> let the cat in. Come in. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mean, all mean. Not letting him eat because it'll take 8,000. Okay. Okay, yes. Anyway, I'm doing my production design course, which is my final course before I graduate. And then I do a graduation project. Yeah, so I'm finishing off and it's been a very, very busy Two weeks, because I've been back at uni for two weeks, so I've been very preoccupied. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So have you done anything? What do you mean? I mean, have you done any thought about anything? For a podcast? Yeah. I mean, I've thought about it. I have tried to do it, but like research is quite difficult when you have to make and build an entire set. What are you building? So, What's the theme? <laughs> what are you making? What's the film about? So I'm working on a project called Laura for my graduation project, which is a horror film. And I'm working on that as a costume designer, which for some people sounds boring to me, is exciting because blood. But I am making this set as a kind of like prequel to the longer form project. Like essentially what happens in it is like, the, it's the start of the cult. Someone gives themselves a baptism in blood. Yeah. Mm. Start, the, start of a what, sorry? Start of the cult. The cult. So the so. whole point is that, that this research facility is a cult. Ah. For, but. They, they, they worship pelicans. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It were, well, you know, there's a lot to worship in a pelican. No, but pelicans are actually really weird creatures. Why? They, I mean, for first of all, like in Catholicism, they're often worshipped as symbolism of motherhood. And that's kind of where this idea that they would, <laughs> like, 
peck their stomach in times of famine and allow their children to feed on the blood. That's- like, what the fuck? And, like, I don't think it's true. I'm pretty sure they found out it wasn't true, but it was a thing used by, like, people in the war. They were, like, symbolised, look, 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 we need mothers, like pelicans. Right. Yeah. Quite a lot of pelicans in, in Australia. There are, there are. Like, so the research facility is meant to be, like, off the coast of Tasmania or somewhere, where they actually have a lot of pelicans, but we're shooting it in Sydney because of COVID. Right. Mm-hmm. And they haven't gone the way of bin chickens, have they? Because in, you know, in if you went to Egypt, ibises, which are bin chickens, which mm. are those... Disgusting. Co- well, I mean, they're like the Australian coastal virgin... The- virgin? <laughs> virgin. Coastal virgin pigeons are in, in the UK. Yeah, they're, they're gross. They're kind of gross and scraw- scrawny with yeah. a big... But you go to the you go to Egypt uh, or you know ancient Egypt they were venerated as sacred animals and they're only raiding our bins because they're being forced out of their natural marshlands yeah maybe we're the bin chickens i think we're the yeah we're the bin chickens yeah but that's yeah i'm very looking forward to shooting it we had a crowdfunding campaign which we hit mhm i think we got more than it which is actually really good because, so if you've ever crowdfunded in Australia, you've probably used ACF, Australian Cultural Fund, which are great and support young Australian filmmakers really well and like even established filmmakers. But they do take a, a levy, as most places do. So. Okay. And what does that mean? You can have more clothes, more costumes, or well, it means we get the actual budget. We don't have the leeway, the levy taken away from us, so we get the seven thousand five hundred budget. So they take it away if you raise less. No, if no, when you raise the money, they have take a ten percent charge for using the website. Right. Okay. Um, so you've gone over, they're still taking the 10%, but, but you're... we've, we've got... Because you've gone more than your limit, You it's back to the yeah. actual budget that yeah. you wanted. Right. And uh, what's the film about? <laughs> or are you not allowed to say it? Hush, hush. No, 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 no. So this is my graduation project. So it's, it's like, actually, we've done a few things on it before. So... It is written and it's written and directed by my lovely, adoring housemate, Melissa Brooks. And it's also co-written by uh, a person, another friend of mine called Annabelle Newland. And they basically, like, it started as like a very, very simple idea. Like, what if pelicans are evil? You know? And became like what it is today. It actually started out not being called Laura, but being called Pelican, not Pelicanus or something. Pelicans, Pelicans. The Latin name for Pelicans. Yes, because obviously, yeah, the Pelicans. Because instantly that makes me think of Pelican Brief, which is a film. Interesting. But nothing to do, well, I don't know. I've never watched it. I think it's Denzel Washington. I don't know, I've never seen it. Anyway. Anyway. And um, Julia Roberts, possibly. Okay. I don't know. I might just be making all that up. <laughs> That's like a very odd... Anyway, go on. Anyway, so the film itself is about a young student named Laura who 
gets offered to go on this life-changing research trip in Tasmania to study pelicans. Yeah. Only to find out that she's being used by this, like the research facility actually is like a front for this cult that are using her to create their like weird sadistic baby pelican hybrid and give birth to it. People pelicans. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's 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 a big allegory for you know women's rights, access to abortion, women, women's right to choose, and like also the fact that like women's bodies are so often commodified and used for for purposes that they didn't want you know so mm. it's a lot of it's a very feminist feminist body Oriented. horror that's what it is <laughs> there must be a category for that fembod it's just called feminist body horror is it really yeah that's a real subgenre. Okay, yeah, yeah, I believe you. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of well, it reminds me of lots of things, but it reminds me of your your grandfather's mm. favorite story oh, by the brothers Grimm. Oh no. Called The Story of a Mother. Okay. I think I've tried to read it and just couldn't get to the end of it because it's pretty horrific. But it's basically the story of a mother mm-hmm. who is so impoverished that she can't feed her children. So she ends up feeding herself to the children. Oh my <laughs> That's God. sort of similar kind of no. territory. <laughs> no, she, I mean, like. But, I mean, you read the Brothers Grimm stuff and, pardon my language, there's some fucked yeah, up shit yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it always worried me slightly that uh, my dad kind of looked to those stories oh as being God. very moral. I mean, really? You, you read them and they just, they're not moral. They're just horrific. Wait, he actually considered them moral. I don't know. I th- he thought it was funny. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and then the other thing I've never that- had this conversation with him. I feel like I need to sit. Yeah, him down well, you now. Talk- ask him about the story of a mother. He just he loves that one. Mind you, he likes Dickens. So I think he just likes children suffering. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. I'm I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's a good story. It's fun, lots of gore. In the, um, it also reminds me of the Wicker Man. Yes, look, a lot of it time. has had inspiration from the Wicker Man. We've also Midsummer, the Lighthouse. What is it? Ready or not? You know the um, Ready Player One. No, oh. the Ready or Not is a All horror right. film. Oh We've yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Samara Weaving, bit like, like Get Out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you cannot have a, like, political horror like this, like a feminist horror, and not compare it to all of the other political horror, horror people like... I don't Jordan know, was Wicker Man political? I mean, it was... It was... It, well, maybe it was. It was definitely it was about the conflict between old religion and yeah. new religion, as in Christianity. Yeah, and also a bit of class, classism in there. Well, yeah, in that... Um, well, didn't the Edward Woodward character was a working class, was mm. he not? And the, and everybody on the island was yes, terribly was, middle class. Yes, yeah. And I mean, also, it kind of fits in this new genre of horror. It's called a good for her movie. 
that's just where the the woman is a perpetual victim. Yes. In it. And she kind of comes out on top because of the stuff she's done, not necessarily the circumstances she's fallen into. Yeah. So like, well, Ready or Not is a good for her movie. Knives Out is also a good for her movie. Oh, right. So it's like... Patronising, though, is a title. No, it's not meant good to... Good for her. No, but that's not what it is. It's like a... It's like a you you support her at the end of it. Like, you feel like she has been... Vindicated. Yeah, she's absolutely vindicated in the position she's in. So, like, in Knives Out, obviously, she gets all the money. And you're like, yes, of course, she deserves it because she's been perpetually, like, you know, villainized by these people. And she chooses not to give it to them. And it's like, yes, that's exactly what she should have done. Good for her. And then in Ready or Not, it's her, like, she... She survived. She's the lone survivor because all of these people, like, you know, want to play buddy with the the devil, and she wins. So, like, it's, ah, uh, yeah, it's just a uh, well, well done. Like, yes, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I know. I understand it. It just sounded a bit kind of like being congratulated. No, it, it's 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 like a subgenre of feminist feminist films. Yes. It, it's just uh, more of a like, like we watch all these action films where guys come out on top and you never really see the women play the forefront of that or like, or like, like me and my roommate really wanted to watch like, me and Melissa in fact, really wanted to watch a, a like a, a revenge good for her movie with a woman and there aren't any good ones. There aren't ones that you want to watch. Like, can you think of one? Because uh, we had watched them all. That was the issue. What, what what had you watched? What was a bad example? I mean, I guess... What's that new one with Charlize Theron in it? Don't know. On Netflix. Old Guard. Oh, right. And also Atomic Blonde. We watched that. And sort of Mad Max as well. Yeah, Mad Max isn't a revenge film. It's a... Taking back control film. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, horror has always been, has always had a kind of, uh, it's it's strongly linked to sex, sex horror, death, Mm. sex, death and life. You know, Uh, and frequently the women end up being victims and just kind of disposable, really. And I don't know why it has to be that way because the horror doesn't derive from killing from. Women dying in the in the film horrifically. No, except that it's I guess the the association is that you know while you're having sex you're most vulnerable. It would be the most. It's the time you're least able to defend yourself. I mean, yeah, and also I mean, uh, I guess originally the 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 kind of idea of like sex equals bad. You know, it is. I almost think it's turning it up on its head. It's going. Well, do these people really deserve to die because they had sex one time? Like, probably not. But like, I, I mean, I mean, there's an argument to say that horror horror is one of the most feminist genres because it tends to have the women at the forefront. I would say it's not. Just because the women are there and play the main characters doesn't mean they're well-written, well-rounded and not treated like, you know... Props. Props, yeah. And, yeah, I, I mean, so, like, when I watch horror movies, it's difficult to watch them with these 
I mean, even stuff, even like the the movies that are heralded as amazing horror movies, like I guess Halloween and all of this stuff with the Final Girl. Mm-hmm. The Final Girl trope itself is sexist. So there's one. The Final Girl trope is the Final Girl trope is in which in a horror movie the there's a there's a the final girl the last girl alive and it's usually a woman usually a virgin kills the the monster the the killer whoever the protagonist is, the, the antagonist and you know ends up yeah, killing them and being the the you know star victim I guess I mean look it's 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 a trope that is inherently sexist it it like the final girl often is a virgin she's often has she often has quite um a masculine name so if you look at something like scream scream is a good example because scream did it on purpose is like sydney is the main character in that or a lot of them are like sam (laughs) yeah a lot of them have like very masculine names so they're often given this like even ripley I mean, come on. <laughs> Originally was a man. But they often kill the they often kill the killer with like a phallic object is also a thing. So like a knife or What did Ripley kill the alien with? A gun. Blew it out the back of it. Yeah, the... a gun. No no. I'm getting confused. Didn't they bla- didn't she blast it out the back of the ship that she climbed into? The pod to escape. Yes, but did it die, really? Well, no, clearly it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a bunch of sequels. <laughs> yes. Um, there was Aliens and then Alien Cubed. Don't know why. Interesting. It went like that, but you weren't, apparently, you weren't allowed to call Aliens Alien, Alien 2. Two. Yes. Because it was going to be James Cameron's, you know, signature first big Hollywood hit and he wouldn't have it. And right. he couldn't cope with the. He couldn't. He came and shot it in Britain, mm-hmm. and he couldn't cope with the the British, the unionised British workforce having to have tea breaks at three o'clock in the afternoon. And he ended up firing the DOP, who was he was this hugely, he's a habit of firing people, hugely well respected mm. guy. Anyway, uh, also Cameron forgot to ask Sigourney Weaver if she'd like to be in it, <laughs> so she just found out about it and went, "What? What's going on?" You can't have a sequel with Ripley in it. That's the one who has too much ego. Wow. You get the sense that he's a tricky character to work with. Yeah, look, I've heard he fired the original composer as well. It's quite possible, yeah. I know that. Because the original composer composed Close Encounters. Right. Wasn't that John Williams? Mm Mm-hmm. He was the original composer. Was he? Oh, wow. It takes some gumption to fire John Williams because John Williams... He didn't let it go. He didn't let it go. That's the reason I know about it because he spoke about it. Oh, right, right. He he literally was like... I had written this like fantastical, like dreamy, like thing. You know how he like does all these like, I don't know, strings and shit. Yeah, strings and shit. Well, look... Like on the Star Wars theme and close encounters. Yeah, just all that stuff. That's that string jaws. <laughs> yeah. The guy who wrote... Da, da, yeah, I know. Da. But yeah, James Cameron didn't like it apparently and ended up using... I think I think it was what the editor had put in as like a Classic. placeholder. Classic. 
Of course, that's exactly what happened with 2001. Yes. In that Kubrick fully intended to have the film yeah. have score for the film. Scored. But the editor put it said put in like Richard Strauss Waltz and all this music by Leggetti, mm. who does all this weird vocal stuff. Yeah. And they never found anything suitable to replace it. And, and Sometimes it, it happens. And it kind of kicked off that idea of, I mean, it took a while, but that idea that the soundtrack of your film mm. doesn't necessarily have to be specially composed. No. And by using other bits of music, mm. you can give a film a feel that you don't get, that you bring to it an association. There's, there's a lack of composing now. Though in films, I find. And I love composing. I love the John Williams, like Jingle Jangle stuff you hear, you know. He did E.T., right, as well? Uh, it, it, probably. I can't remember. I mean, it sounds like... Uh, but, but then... I know. Well, I mean, even just Jaws, the stuff that he does for Jaws, and you get that, like, like moment of, like, wonder. Like, the, his tracks always give that wonder, and I miss that in... In film, like I genuinely love scored soundtracks, but I also adore like actual music in soundtracks. But well, but also the thing is with John Williams is that a lot of his music is, I mean, you could well put other music into the film mm. and then get John Williams to compose a version of it yeah. because things like the Star Wars, mm. various Star Wars themes are based on. Composers like Holst and yeah, the Planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's not. But yeah, I've done both. I've made films where you have you just put in pre-composed music, which is mostly the norm when you yeah. make TV programs. And then I've had it composed as well. And I would say, with the when you have a composer, you've got to let go of a lot of stuff. You've yes. got to work with the composer. I don't know uh, James Cameron did that. <laughs> well, I know. And I can see why people would just use music that was already mm. there because you can choose it. When you work with a composer, they want to do certain things mm. that you might need and like. Yeah. But they see something in yeah. the film that brings it out and yeah. you have to go with it. We're we're getting we're getting some of the the soundtrack composed for Laura, we've got two composers on, which is oh. unusual. Working together. Yeah, or? working together. I think I think one's doing like he he's quite busy, so Bless you. Yeah, well one of the one of the guys, one of the composers is quite busy, so and the other one who's a friend of mine, like came on and was like, I kinda I wanna compose for you. Can I do it? So I think they're doing like maybe two separate themes. Yeah. And like, because I was like, there's gonna be more than one theme throughout it. It's it's a ten minute. Is it? Ten minute, yeah, ten minute short. So, like, there's gonna be an opening and a closing theme at least. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we are very excited to hear what they have to do. And it is difficult to work with a composer. Like, I know from um, watching, like, um, Melissa work with composers. She, you, you kind of like. You, <sighs> You can, like, I think one of the songs that they got in the last one sounded very similar to a, another song. And the problem, it wouldn't have been a problem if it sounded like this song, if the song wasn't Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, mm. which was a very, very well-known song at that point, And it still is. And it was just too recognisable. And also it didn't fit 
the story, stories of horror. Like, I don't think that would fit it, but it just sounded very similar. But yeah, I think it's difficult to work with it, but I'm excited to work on it. It's going to be very good. I don't know what, what's going to happen after it. Do I? I think it's going to get, they're attempting to distribute it mm-hmm. on like best to festivals. Yeah. But again, that's a difficult thing. It's difficult to get on any festival's watch list. But, you know, because it's such a niche genre of like feminist horror, good for her movies, I think that like they have a good chance of pushing their way through. Well, but it's not. And festivals, I mean, there are festivals for certain kinds of films. Yes. And then there are, but within the festival, they don't, they don't then redefine it. They go... Best screenplay, best cinematography, mm. best film, mm. best actor. They don't do... Some of them do. If they're, I know that there's a film festival for exclusively women filmmakers and, and, and our entire crew, on-set on crew is mostly made up of women and non-binary people. I think there's like one guy. I know the two composers are male, but the rest of us are all... Mm-hmm. all either female or gender non-conforming so like we have a good leg up in that they like having all female crews problem is with all female crews not that I, I i prefer working with all female crews issue is that men run the industry and tend to hate all female crews do they need to know well the problem is that they're so- unless they come on set does it matter I mean, well, when you, yes, when you're writing out the credits and you've got person after person after person who is clearly got a female name. Well, I, if you tell me that's the case, it's never something that I've encountered. That that you are also a white man, father. No, no, it's not. I wouldn't. I don't mean I haven't encountered it personally. I mean, as in, uh, it's it's not an issue, and it, and in fact, the contrary. If if we were looking for that sort of thing mm. and we saw it was an all-female crew, we'd, we'd shout a little shout and no, go, No, no, yeah. I know. I think that, like, the industry is changing, but there are still... There are a lot of Australian... No, I only know Australian, but I'm assuming it applies probably to the rest of the world, that do not work with women. In fact, I know of a very famous Australian director, well, an Australian, from this side of the world that I'm not going to name because I have no desire to be sued. Yes. Who has been banned from working with women (laughs) because he sleeps with them. Well, but that's the opposite opposite way round. It's not that he doesn't want to, by the sounds of it. It just sounds like he's a menace to work with. Mm. Which is a slightly different problem. I mean, he I, I also he that... also does not work with women. If you look at his credits, he really doesn't anyway. It's no, usually no. just assistants and stuff. So my so my male now. as I've said before, my experience is that more than fifty percent of the people I work with are female. I would say just at a straw poll level, and more than fifty percent of the people in senior positions mm. that's immediately above me. I don't mean managing directors and top executives, which is still disproportionately mm. male, but at the sort of level of producing and making television and films mm-hmm. that I know of, I'd say at least 50%, if not more, are female. The problem, what you don't get a lot of is craft people. You don't... Australia's actually <sighs> yeah. better than 
better than the UK for editors. It is. Which is obviously, it's often seen as a kind of little niche territory for blokes. Which is weird because all the editors I know, I know two male editors and the rest are all female. I'd say easily half the editors I've worked with have been female. Yeah. What you don't get though are directors of photography, which I find strange. Because there's no there's no real reason. It it's, is quite it's one in one in forty three, I think, in this country. When you when you're making documentaries, it's quite a physical job, but the the equipment now is totally different to what it was. I mean there's harn- there's so many safety harnesses and Easy rigs. Easy rigs or like greasy pigs. I mean, actually what is it? I yeah, so the cine we're working with on Laura is non binary, but I know a bunch of female cinnies and also a, a female soundie, which is un- very that, that's unusual. Even, I've not worked with one in, yeah. this, in this country. Well, they kind of work together. So this female sound and female, because yeah. they're, they're in a relationship. So they kind of work together and it's quite, it's quite sweet. <laughs> but yeah, because she's female soundie, female cine and they work very well. And like, yeah, I don't know. I know a few, um, but. But um, I think we need, we need more and, in television. Yes. I mean, I've worked with... Is the dynamic different when you work with a female crew? Not discernibly. It's a bit... In terms of professionalism, in terms of getting the job done, no. I haven't worked with enough female crews to go, there are good or bad. My experience so far with female crews has been good. Yes. Not difficult at all. But then I've worked with lots of male DOPs uh, who I really get on with. But lots that I... Others that I don't. there's, There's like... My experience, uh, male DOPs I've worked with have all had massive egos and have all been very, like, difficult, difficult. I am currently working with a a, a male DOP on another project of mine and and he's fine. Like, I haven't had any issues. Yeah, exactly. Issues It's just that it's numbers, I think. I mean, you know. Yeah, so your mates, if any of them want to work in TV, (laughs) I'd embrace more women coming not just embracing women i'd embrace more women coming in at the craft level yeah that's what it's really well that's the same with art department we're a bit better in the art department for women to men most of the famous production designers that have come out of australia have been women so we've got like fiona donovan and Catherine martin or cm like they're all very well known production designers and they it tends to lean into female but you know we've still got a bit to go i think it's one in one in four people are production designers and obviously like stuff like costume which i lean into is female dominated because it's considered female work yeah, like it's it's, it's kind of delicated towards to women which annoys me but it actually is it's shockingly the top costume designers are men that's not shocking at all. Just look at fashion. Yeah. It's it's bizarre, isn't it? It's yeah. That it should be so male dominated, but um disappointingly not not, not that surprising. No. It's very it's disappointing. I think the thing in you work in factual TV and and there are a lot of women in factual TV. A lot. There are, yeah. Like it, it um I'd say just the just the obviously it changes all the time, but yeah. I think in an office of about 20 people, there are f- four men, yeah. and I'm one of them. Yeah, I don't mind that. I find it much better. 
better environment to work in. It's a supportive one. Yeah, female environments tend whole. to be. Yeah. Um, although the worst people I've worked, worked with are women. women. But, that, you know, it's... <laughs> It's but they got, tend to be women who are trying to fit into a very male-dominated space. Well, it's also... It, it's no reflection on them being women. No. It's, it's just, just who, on their pe- who they are. People. You know. I mean, you've worked with some awful men as well. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, um, and some great men. And I'm sure thrown in there, there were plenty of non-binary people, but they... They probably didn't I'm identify the, as that at the time. Exactly. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think the disproportion, it, like as far as I am aware, like in conversations with tutors and other industry people, isn't in factual in factual reality television. It's not in that. It's fil- it's feature film. It's yeah, feature well, film and it's drama television. And there's a lot because there's a lot more money at stake. Maybe yeah. I don't know um, because it's also I don't know. you know we're not we're not regarded as as the the. <laughs> The kind of pinnacle of what you want to achieve in filmmaking, which I think is unfair, but mm. it is, you know, it's drama, it's comedy, it's feature films that people kind of want to get, want to get stuck into when they're yeah. filmmakers, I guess. Yeah, and like, and that's not, it's not a bad thing, but also like, like I think, like this isn't a conspiracy at all, but like. The industry is hard to get into. And there are people closing doors on women in feature films. There are people opening doors for them as well. But there are disproportionately people closing doors. Like what? What? Like what? What do you mean? Like what? Give me an example. Of people closing doors on women? Yeah, without naming names. Oh, God. I. (laughs) Just one example. That's so difficult to do without naming names. Well... You know, just approximately. You know, the, the... I'll take your word for it without naming names that it happened. <laughs> okay, so so we look we look at what the male demographic of I guess directors at the moment we look at them and like don't get me wrong I love male directors but they do tend to be old white guys okay yeah and they are old white guys who a lot of them were shooting in the 70s with Mm. the where this kind of golden age of cinema came about arguably i I don't really know if i would call it that but these people shoot with the same dops shoot with the same production designers shoot with blah 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 all the same people that they have for years because they trust them which isn't a bad thing as such but they are all men because that's exactly what the kind of industry looked like then women really really were not allowed in like like t- at all, it was a boys' club. No, no, I agree. But uh, is that the same as saying I won't work with women? Yes. Well, well, it, it's it's saying I will only work with the same people. The same as saying I won't work with. Because, but because but, they will only work with the same men, it means that the the new like these very talented female cinematographers don't get jobs. A very talented female you know, anything won't get the jobs because they're so insistent on working with the same thing, with same people. It's why we they had to create, they don't have it anymore, which is terrible. In the in Australia, they had to create like this, this if they wanted Screen Australia funding, they had to have a number of women on board, a number of women and minorities on board of their sets in key creative roles. So not just like- Runners. Runners or um, ADs assistants. or whatever, no. They had to be... ADs is pretty crucial. No, but they're not... They don't class as key creative. They are incredibly crucial. I love ADs. 
but they don't class as key creative roles because they don't have any input in the creativity. They, they you know, schedule yeah. stuff. And ADs are incredibly important, but they do tend to be female-dominated because it feels like that's the... the let's just give the hard stuff to the women. But, and, and I know your argument is like, is that the same as keeping women out? Absolutely, it is. Because then, if you're refusing, if you're refusing to work with anyone else, you're refusing to work with women. But you're also refusing to work with men as well, well who but, are men that you know. I mean, you know, I've been well. First of all, somebody like Martin Scorsese, he may be exceptional, but he only ever worked with the same editor, and, and she's female. Yeah. And so, if if somebody came along and said. Well, there's this great male editor to Scorsese mm. and said, you should use... And he said, no, no, I only work with the same person. Is he is he discriminating against a man? Okay, no, because, no, I, I've heard this argument a lot about, like, well, if they deny men just as much as women, isn't it, isn't it just as, like, wrong? No, because women are disproportionately disenfranchised in the film industry like disproportionately no men heal that male it's very likely that male editor will get another job yeah probably it's well i would have thought if they'd been put up for a job anyway this is hypothetical yeah what i'm saying is is it is it them saying i won't work with women or is it saying i won't work with these people well it's it's this ice or i won't work with any other people it's old it's old school ideology that women can't do that job as well as well as men okay like I can't. Like speak I've to worked, this I've worked it. with, I've worked with older guys who literally tell me that women are terrible cineas and right. terrible soundies. I'm like, well, who was this? I can't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna say. Well, who were they though? I mean, I mean, in terms of just projects that you've done. Oh, so it wasn't projects. It was like tutors. I've been taught. By. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a bit shitty, right? Yeah. yeah. They shouldn't. Surely the, the school should have the word with them. Oh, so. don't worry. They've been reported a number of times. Okay. Well, that's a terrible thing to say. It and is. That kind of behaviour shouldn't be tolerated. No. Because it makes no sense. I mean, look, my production design tutors are amazing. And they are constantly, um, like, going, talking about women and in the industry. We had a whole lecture on Friday about women in production design and, like, talking about people like Polly Platt and CM, who are both very influential mm-hmm. production designers. And I think when you're in the when you're in the art department, if you don't work with women, you're fucked because women make up tend to make up make up parts of, of the art department like makeup and costume, but also tend to be art directors because again it's a kind of producer role and women fall into producer roles easier than than other roles because again industry's fucked look the industry is fucked it's not a conspiracy it's happening women aren't getting hired as much as men um and women aren't being allowed in spaces that are male dominated like cine cine spaces are male dominated we know this as in cinematography yeah yeah they're male dominated it, it, it's a boys club. It, it's it very, is. Also, there, there's a, only a small number of jobs. Yes. 
Yeah. I mean, you're only talking dozens of jobs here. But like my... At most. My uni tried to... Gosh, I don't know if I can say this. Too. <laughs> I'll say it and I can cut it out. But my uni tried to open an all-female cinematography club to encourage women to, you know, be in cinematography yeah. and kind of be in an environment where they weren't being judged by men because that's tend to what happened. A lot of the women I know who want to be in cinematography have backed away from it because these men have made them feel unsafe or uncomfortable. And so this was made and, and the men complained. And so it got so shut down. Why don't we have one? Yeah. And the point was, you do... It's called the industry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing to I'd like, you know, I, I will say that in my my general position where I'm producing and directing, there aren't that many women. Yeah. And I don't know why, because there's certainly plenty of cap- women capable, capable of doing it. And there is a definite lack of confidence. And there's a fine line that you, that you walk that you don't want you want to treat people as adults, but at the same mm. time, you, you want to share um, some knowledge and experience yeah. and you want to f- make people feel confident yeah. in making decisions. And and it, it's happened to me that there, there's quite a lot of women that I work with who just won't step over that threshold. And I, I, don't, and I, don't, I don't know whether it's because they don't want to or whether it's because, oh, that's, that's very technical and... Uh, yeah. uh, you know me I'm the least technical person in the world and well like you also I do find that the men who are in this industry for I've, some for, and, and in cinematography and like technical stuff talk to you in words and and you and like expect you to know all this stuff off the bat and it's like dude you've been doing this for 10 years this person may not have may have just got their start in it like calm down <laughs> just because they don't know what all of this shit means and what all of those buttons are doesn't mean that they're not equally as well they're not at least talented in this you know like i mean and in directing you know i direct as well mm-hmm. and i find that it's a space that's really difficult for women because the second you direct the second you make a demand or you make a choice and a decision and you do what I do a director's job you're you're criticized you're called bossy or a bitch like I've been called a bitch on set to my face before (laughs) and I was like all I'm doing is telling you to like move on like to move so we can move on with the well, shot that's just not acceptable no yeah. no 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 that's an unacceptable thing to do but the but these men have that entitlement on set to do that and and so the space you're right i mean you're talking but you're talking about the films that you're making yeah and it's and, student films. and it's a lot of people who are inexperienced yes. and not very professional and don't understand the need to behave a certain way yeah. And, and and it's something that you learn. I mean, it's interesting in that I, I rarely get to work with other directors, so I really don't know how mm. other directors work. Yeah. But on the occasions where I've been what they call a series producer, mm. which is where I'm overall in charge, yeah. I then work with different directors. Yeah. And the female directors I work with, I've learned some valuable lessons from. Mm. And weirdly, it, the lessons I learned from them were about discipline. Yeah. <laughs> About going, if it's not working, stop it yes. before it gets too far. That's what it tends to Don't be. Don't let it yeah. ramble on. Just stop, jump in, and people will appreciate you taking it. And that was, and that, that's really stuck in my mind. I was making a cookery series, and 
the fem- one of the female directors we had, you know, if it wasn't working, she stopped it Good. before it got too far. And yeah. I thought, oh, that's all right. You can do that. You yeah. can jump in and say, stop. Yeah. So, and that's, I suspect the opposite of what people think you get yeah. from a female director. Oh, yeah. that they'd be lovely. And, no. But she was like, no, we've got, got to hit. You, have to, you have to learn as a director, as a female director, to be assertive, to stop things, to say yes and no and like that's difficult because we as women are constantly taught to be nice to be nice to question ourselves to not be assertive to and um, nobody nobody took uh, on on this occasion nobody went no complain she's doing her job thank you for telling us she's doing her job and that that people tend to be thankful for that and ironically the only other time that i am i Learned that it wasn't this wasn't from a director. I did a thing with some old SAS guys. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, the SAS is full of sexism problems. Uh, well, yeah. well, it's all blokes. Yeah. But they didn't like you being airy fairy. They liked you to give them orders. Yeah. Do I this. Mean, We're going to do this at, at 0600 hours. We will be here. We will be shooting at this time. Yeah. Be there. And they loved that. They just didn't like. Well, we're sort of working out. They didn't want that. They no. wanted to be told what to do. So there you are. If you had women in the SAS, it'd be a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, it probably would be. <laughs> a lot tougher. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, we, I think sometimes overcompensate because we're like, we need that respect. So we're going to do it. And some some women call it like acting male. And, and I actually think that some of the most supportive environments I've ever been on have been with female directors because they really care. They care about your well-being. And, and like, I think the thing that I find on male crews <laughs> so different is that male act, male directors tend to concentrate on the actors, which is fine. That's exactly what directors sh- can do. This is on dramas. But female directors will concentrate on the actors to an extent and then will concentrate on their crew. And, like, if you're a director, that's the thing that people always forget. You're the director of everything. So you direct the crew and you direct the actors. Mm. So so male directors miss out that entire like crew directing part. And um, Or they do the opposite. Yeah. I've seen the opposite where they're I only like they interested. They concentrate in, on one thing. Uh, well, flitting between the two. You just got to remember from my point of view that nobody can see inside your head. So yeah. um, say it. You've got to tell people and you've got to just be clear this is this is what we've done this is what we're doing this is what we're going to yeah. do next this is how it fits in with the story this is what we're trying to achieve and remember this is where it fits into yeah. the whole the whole thing people like that clarity sometimes it's not possible to do both because you are actually concentrating on getting mm. something set mm-hmm. up and you can't be talking to the actors or well we or don't who, really all have the that. subjects well, somebody once said to me that making factual programs it's just like making a drama, only nobody knows their lines. <laughs> that, I've had that, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, and they they found drama easier because everybody's paid to turn up and say yeah. what they're going to say. I mean, to be fair, someone knows the lines. Like, you have to write a script, so you know at least vaguely what they're going to say. Like, you can predict. Like, I, I mean, I've written scripts for Factual before, and they you you don't, you don't, write what they're going to say. You just write things that you're like, I'd, it would be great if they said this. Which is, I think, one of the reasons why people think, like, reality is fake. Because, yes, if there's something that a producer or a director wants someone to say, they will coax it out of them. They will. 
yes, you do do that, but I I like it when it goes wrong, which is, frightens everybody else. Yeah. But I like to hear something I wasn't expecting. And the big difference between factual and drama, apart from the fact that it's you know it's not fictional, is the fact that you you have to learn to go, okay, drop all that. I've just heard him say somebody say something or do something. <laughs> We're going to follow that yeah, now. Yeah. And you, you instantly switch on your storytelling brain yeah. and you construct a whole new yes, you story have to be, line. You have to be very open to things changing. changing and in... I've worked with people that, you know, they, they go, oh, such and such, you know, I don't know, something's happened and they can't do what was originally in the script. Yeah. Only what they can do now. Uh, I go, well, let's make it part of the story. Yeah. No, they've broken their leg turning up in a cast and they yeah. go oh this won't cut in with anything else okay scrap everything else yeah let's make a bit of a story about them having broken their leg yes because that's way more interesting than the thing that i wrote yeah l- like you definitely have to be like what i mean it's real life actual is real life and like reality <laughs> i mean it's mostly real life you have to be able to work with real life if you don't yeah. then you get you get left behind you also missed all the cool important bits like there, there are people who get so wrapped up in like this has to go a particular way. I think that's the thing why people loved the documentary, the document documentary series Tiger King so much. I honestly think that's the reason why. Why? Because its narrative changed. Oh right, yeah. and it became it. They allowed it to. Yeah. Like they went in to film this documentary about this eccentric tiger keeper. And they found something else. Yeah. And he ended up in prison, yes. They found something else in, and they allowed it to happen. But that's the, that's the, that is when those sort of things happen. Yeah, I, I see it less like you write a script and expect people to say it, more like you set up a situation yeah. and you see how people react. Yeah. Or you go into a situation knowing, it, depending, there's two, there's two different aspects. Yeah. There's, what they call scripted factual, which is where you know you, there's a content you're trying to yeah. get, and and you go for it. Then there, are, then there's ob- observational documentary, yeah. yes, which is yeah. where you go. Literally, just I've kind of got an idea of what the story yeah. is, but I'm completely open to it changing. Yeah, and I, I've done both, you know, and they're both really exciting. The the ob docs in many ways are harder because yeah. you have to constantly stru- restructure things in your brain. Because you yeah. have to go and pick stuff up. You also can't have the camera rolling all the time. No. So you have to know when's appropriate. Well, that's the, the first thing I say to people, especially people who come on board relatively inexperienced, but come on board either as a researcher or an associate producer or something like that. I'd mm. say exactly that. I said, you can't film everything. No. You're going to miss stuff. Yeah. What and you, it's going to suck. What but... you need to be is awake to the things happening yeah. in the moment yeah, uh, and go pull that little strand out and go, okay, where's that going to take? Mm-hmm. It might take you nowhere. Yeah. That's the other thing is that unlike drama, you can film a lot and just trash it mm. because it's just, it's not interesting. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's like life, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's real life. It's reality. And that's kind of, for me, what makes it, exciting no i appreciate that i guess the performances and drama i mean i've done a bit of drama as well and that yeah uh, that that's exciting to see people performing and to be able to completely control the visual yes that's the thing that appeals to me but like you know working 
in the art department, having that control over what you see and the story you're making, you're making up these characters is fun. I like that. That's the element of, of production design I like is, is basically, <laughs> I guess, doing what an actor does. and, and Dressing analyzing. up. <laughs> and analyzing. I, yeah, so I like that art department visual and also making it heavily stylized. People don't do that enough. I tried to, like, I was working on a, a thing, a web series, and which I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about because it hasn't been released, but... Whatever. As a costume Well, if you don't name it, nobody will no, know. No, as a costume designer, and there's this point where one of the characters sees this, like, male character and is, like, instantly attracted to them. And I was like, but what if we... What if I, like, took his... The clothes he has on, but, like, bedazzled... But make a bedazzled version of it. Right. And, like, kind of have like it... Twilight. Like Yeah. <laughs> Like have him like shining and then it just goes back to normal. Like it's just her imagination. Heavenly choirs. And everyone shut me down. Everyone's like, oh, no, that's weird. I was like, it is, right? All my all my production, like my art department loved it. And like Was it gonna go, oh Yeah, I was like so like into That's a cool it. idea. Right? I thought it was great. I got shut down though. Oh well. Yeah. <sighs> no vision. Directors, huh? No Fuck vision. Em. Oh, well, you know, they they want what they want. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm leaving film school soon, and that's kind of crazy. Scary. Mm. Come over to the dark side. Yeah, and Come then I have to, to get a career. Come over to documentaries. Aww. Like, if I got, if, if you were on an art department, people, I'd happily, happily do it. Uh, yeah, well, occasionally. It's usually when we do things that require sets. Yeah, and I mean, if you ever need anyone on the set, you know I'll do it. I'll happily... Um, like, do production um, design. Uh, yes, like, yeah, like that cookery show I was talking about. We had a set yeah. designer for that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not picky on that stuff. So I just like making things, like painting stuff. Painting sets is fun. Doing, yeah, that's yeah, kind of cool. Good. All right. So I'm not fussed. Let me in. I'm looking forward. Let me to in, it. please. Looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I mean, we've got. I don't know what we're doing for like the showing of it. <laughs> I'm assuming there's gonna be like a student showing, mm-hmm. and then I take. So I don't, should I say what film school I'm at now? Nah. So film school I'm at does take. To, as soon as you make the film, you make mm-hmm. my film school makes the distribution theirs. So yeah, owns like, it. Owns it. Right, that's typical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it takes a while to get the rights of distribution because, like, you have to make sure you have all your chain of title, everything just done. They're very meticulous about it, which is good because, actually, if you apply to a festival, you also have to be very meticulous about the chain of title documents. So everyone signed it to make sure they're okay. They acknowledge, like, usually it's about, like, people acknowledging they're not getting paid and they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. So, like, the actors are all volunteer actors and we're all volunteer crew members, so we're not getting paid in anything, which, you know, is normal for a student. Like, great experience. Takes a lot of time out of you, but got to start somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes a while for you to get distribution. So I don't actually know when it will be out and dis- able to be distributed. And then festivals sometimes don't like you putting it on YouTube and, yeah. Okay. Well, no doubt we'll heavily plug it when it comes <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm also on another one, which I haven't spoken about, but on a, as a production designer on the other one. Yeah. Which is a film called You and Me by the Sea. 
Yes. Which won the uh, won an ACF award, I think. Oh, Student how, Cinematography Award. How could it have won if you've not made it? Oh, because there was a shorter version of it. Oh, right. So it won for the teaser. Yeah. Oh, very good. Right. The well Cine won for it, and he's the Cine I'm working on this one. Excellent. Yeah, so good on him. Woo! Good oh. Okay. Wow, well, okay. From Pelicans to... <laughs> To the women in the film industry. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm Matilda. I'm David. He's my dad. She's my daughter. And this is Tell Me About It. Join us next week. Bye.